There are many people in and across the university who are doing excellent work. In our Changemaker podcast series, we shine a light on some of our staff and partners and discover remarkable projects that are shaping society. In this episode, we meet Dr. Verity Jones, who is an Associate Professor at the University of the West of England and works in the Education and Childhood Department. Verity previously worked as a primary school teacher in Pembrokeshire and Cornwall, where she was Deputy Head. Before that, she worked for councils and charities in the area of sustainability and social equity. Nat Brown works as a teacher at May Park Primary School in North East Bristol, where she also trained as a teacher. Before graduating, Nat spent a lot of time working as a learning support assistant in schools, supporting children with special educational needs and disabilities. May Park is one of two primary schools that Verity is working with, as part of collaborative research looking into the effects of racism on the mental health and well-being of 10 to 11-year-olds. Quite often I go into schools across Bristol and across the UK and there's the lovely photograph of the, of the staff as yeah. you walk in and you'll notice, you know, you've got your senior leadership team and then you've got your teaching team and yeah. then you've got your learning support assistants and then you've got your cleaners and it'll go from white and then most usually down to black and ethnic minorities yeah. and it is a stark contrast. Yes, yeah, absolutely and it's so visible isn't it? Obviously the principal is the leader of the school but it is quite in- interesting isn't it the way it's just like laid out in that kind of like we talk about peers quite a lot. May Park is a very mixed school. I can't remember how many kind of I think at one point there were like 37 languages spoken at the school or something and you've got children from all around the world bringing all these different experiences into one room and, and as a teacher knowing what all of those children have been through you can imagine and you can try to empathize with some of the experiences but you're genuinely unaware of what happens to them outside of the classroom really yeah and and then they're looking at each other and they're looking at their white contemporaries and thinking well why are they having a better time of it than me and they're almost learning whiteness so they're changing the way their clothes are they're changing what they bring uh, in their packed lunches because they don't you know want to be mocked or called names because of what's in their packed lunches they are wearing their hair in particular ways because you know that's more acceptable to and, and it's it's this kind of un- unconscious learning how to be white and how to fit in um, which we really need to kind of think about So Verity, what was the impetus behind this uh, research that you came and did with us at school? Okay, so the research was all about young people's lived experience of racism and how that impacted on their mental health. So it was funded by Emerging Minds, which is a mental health charity. And it's really come about because of there being little research being done in the UK with this age group. So Research is done on older people and um, older young people, so in secondary school, but nothing's been done at primary age. Um, so there's a real gap in our understanding and we can't think about, oh, well, primary school kids are going to have the, exactly the same experience as older people. We, we, we really need to kind of unpack that. So th- th- there's that gap and then we need to kind of see racism in perhaps uh, the larger context. So if we think that there's 34% of children in the UK that are from black and ethnic minorities Um, but we've only got 16% of UK teachers from those minorities and um, you know if we're going to even that up then that's we need to recruit something like 70,000 more teachers wow yeah that's loads isn't it quite a lot yeah yeah 
So we've got that kind of unevenness and we know that racism's happening not only in school but at home and all, you know, and outdoors. So the children that were in the, the, the project that we worked with, um, they talked about, they did talk about Marcus Rashford and, yeah. and uh, how that made them really sad and angry and that, you know, it just wasn't fair how suddenly um, a hero in football wasn't just a footballer but he was now a black footballer and that, you know, the, the race had come to the fore when things had gone wrong. So there was that. George Floyd was a really big issue, so the murder of George Floyd and how they didn't trust the police because of that. Uh, and I, th I think what really stood out was th th there was one child who particularly said it's as if um, uh, white children are loved more. Mm. Um, wow. <laughs> so they're seeing these kind of media representations of what's going on and that's feeding into kind of how they feel about themselves, yeah. but also how they feel kind of in school and around and with, you know, people in authority. Children often talk about their experiences in previous schools. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that there aren't incidents of racism that happen at, at my school, but it's obviously much safer, isn't it, to talk about something that happened in a different space, you know, rather than just kind of saying something that had maybe happened recently. But you do have children kind of telling us about their experiences of feeling very excluded from being in majority white spaces and feeling very vulnerable and alone in those spaces from being uh, part of kind of religious groups that are very like misunderstood and they feel kind of disrespected when people kind of behave in a certain way towards them. Those conversations do come up quite a lot. That is a frequent theme that it's like this happened to me in the past and actually for a lot of those children it's one of the drivers for moving school uh, and, and that's yeah. certainly something that came out from talking to the children at your school and it, it, there was a real sense of relief at being at May Park which you know they felt was really supportive um, and had good representation and that they, they had people to go and talk to which is really important because quite often and the children talked about this not only are they experiencing really quite harrowing and personal you know difficult things to talk about and to listen to as, as, as researchers but also they had strategies um, to try and cope with it quite often they wouldn't talk to anyone we had children talking about how they screamed into their pillows at night yeah the, the way that they were coping with it alone that definitely stood out for me like screaming into a pillow or just like looking out of my window and just being with my thoughts and being alone and it's just kind of like just taking it on and then when I when I feel better, I'll just go and go back to my life and carry on. Yeah. Absolutely, there was that, but there was also kind of sharing it with pets. So sharing their their, their issues with pets, and I can really relate to yeah. that because you can talk to an animal um, in a way that you, you, you're not being judged in any way, or you can kind of get it off your chest, and you can shout, and you can be angry, or you can be sad, or whatever it is with yeah. your, your pet. And, and that was certainly something. There were also children who were uh, doing exercise because of it or gaming was a really positive thing as well for some children because it just allows them to kind of disappear into yeah, a different total world. total escapism, isn't it, gaming? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really interesting. And um, obviously you're saying about May Park being kind of like feeling like a relatively safe space. We, we are, uh, our principal is a black woman. I think that matters a lot to our children it matters a lot to us as staff as well well we need better representation in the teaching team 100 percent, and that's something that's cropped up in previous 
conversations when the, where the children say I remember last year's cohort and it kind of dawned on the children that they'd only ever been taught by white people and some of them are like I've only been taught by white women but do you think that's why there's not a lot of research done with children of this age because you don't want to be the one to go into a school and just kind of announce to you know children who are 10 11 years old but there's this massive like structural inequality that exists in the world and they're part of it and they're going to grow up into it is that why it doesn't happen i think that's really interesting when we initially got the funding we were in a kind of meeting with other people and they said you'll never get into school Mm. schools will not want you in talking to this age group it's too sensitive lots of teachers and lots of schools immediately say well racism doesn't happen in our school Mm. even though we know that it does there is a an unconscious bias so people are just not recognizing that what's going on is racism um they're hearing bickering going on and they're saying oh Uh, it's just children and not actually listening to the content of that bickering and what's underlying that that was really interesting and we're in and and we know that our team is in a really privileged position we work really closely with 300 partnership schools across bristol and may park is one of you know those brilliant partnership schools our team are predominantly white Mm. um, but we have an advisory group uh, from uh, black and ethnic minorities so they can really kind of question and be really critical about our practice and the advice that they gave was um, very much kind of you need to go in and you need to be really upfront about this you Mm. need to kind of go in and say okay we are going to talk about racism um, and and that worked really well. And the the young people in all of the groups were really positive about that. And you know that they, they talked afterwards about feeling relief at being able to talk and relief about being able to share, wanting to do more of these kind of things, feeling that you know racism as an explicit topic. You know we know that the curriculum's full, but. W- it wasn't not enough time was being spent on it because we have black history month yeah yeah for sure yeah but actually once a year is not enough you know they were saying oh we need to be talking about this once a week or you know not having um talking about racism when something either happens in the media and then we think about it or something happens in school so it's not proactive I was wondering about the format. The the workshops are really interesting. They take about 45 minutes each and uh, you can do it with a whole whole class. Uh, And we've been working with year fives and sixes. So what age is that? Um, That is nine, 10, 11. Okay. Um, And we've worked with three schools across Bristol at the moment. We work with a local Bristol-based artist called Lucy Goral Barnes, who's great. And between the educational experts in the team, the psychological experts in the team and Lucy, we came up with a real arts-based activity for the children to do. Each child had a big piece of paper and then they would draw around each other and then uh, on their own really think about what experiences of racism they may have had or seen and that would go on the outside and then we asked them to put how that made them feel on the inside but try and map on their body so okay you've mentioned uh, the murder of George Floyd so where does that make you feel that makes you feel sad where on your body does that make you Mm. feel sad is it in your heart is it in your hands 
um, these are sensitive issues they could trigger and we know that they could trigger some yeah, children's yeah, yeah. reactions and it did trigger some children's reactions but we we were really careful about how we dealt with safeguarding issues that arose and then having the option to share uh, if they wanted to that's the main bulk of the classroom activity I mean, beforehand we have conversations about racism or what we think it means um, and we share um, images and, and, and kind of have image prompts to talk about the kind of things that might be going on but the drawing it uh, allows children to not have to look at people as well so that they can mm. put their thoughts down without having to kind of articulate and that can be really difficult sometimes. And the children didn't have to use words. They could use drawings or symbols or however they wanted to represent um, their experiences and also their feelings. So it allowed them to really look in on themselves and think about it for themselves. Nice. So this piece of research has been working on uh, developing a way of teaching about racism and what we've done now is we've taken all what we've learned from may park and other schools in bristol um, and we've created a toolkit for our um, teacher training students here at university of west of england a few months ago we tested this out with our students and also then did work workshops afterwards to kind of evaluate how that went in order to give our students the tools to be able to go into schools and use these methods and ways of teaching so that we can kind of work towards anti-racism education and uh, it's, it's gone down really well and now those workshops are going to be embedded within our teacher training program but having uh, now trained our student teachers in and they were in their third years and our uh, PGCA so our postgraduate course um, as well so we've now got about oh crikey 300 new teachers that are kind of prepared with this toolkit to kind of go off and hopefully uh, implement that and then we're going to have feedback from then and is the toolkit like a, a workshop kind of set up yeah yeah so there is um for, for, for the training we've got four short videos of about about five minutes each from a member each member of the team and then there's the outline of how to run the workshop um but what we all always say is not only are these issues going to be quite distressing and difficult for the children can also impact on the teacher. So it's really important that the welfare of both the children and the teacher is taken into account. Yeah. So as part of the research, mm -hmm. we interviewed teachers and you were one of those teachers that we interviewed. Yes. So how did that feel to be interviewed as a white teacher talking about racism? There's an element of it being a bit nerve-wracking, as, as is today, as a, a white teacher coming in to talk about racism. The, the interview I, I did alongside my two colleagues, actually, so it was quite interesting to hear some of their thoughts and, and feelings as well. And I think we mostly just kind of agreed that it's always a topic that's got to be on the table and that if the kids bring it up, we can talk about it. And if, you know, especially if they bring it up, you know, it's not something that it's not necessarily a conversation that we force at the moment because we don't have a framework in place to do that. But that's something that you're 
making. You know, a lot of the time, the young people weren't even sure whether it was racism, mm. but they felt uncomfortable by it. There was something going on that just wasn't, you know, it wasn't quite right. And it, it became quite apparent that they were feeling uncomfortable because deep down, they did recognise this to be racist incidents. But what's great about your school is that you, you don't just listen to them. You do take action as well. Yeah, hopefully. I think so. There, there was a specific incident, wasn't there, where children um, had kind of, like you said, they felt that they felt quite uncomfortable about something. They felt that they, there was maybe some some kind of bias um, going on uh, with with someone who provides a service in in the school, and uh, and that was reported. That's right. So um, there's unconscious bias training that that you can do, and the service provider recognised that their staff hadn't had this particular bit of training um, and they put that in place amazing yeah I mean yeah, that's yeah. great impact and 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 then um, the children who were involved in the project were told that and immediately felt empowered and happy and were delighted that's something that you know they hadn't just been listened to but actually they'd been taken seriously and things had happened as a result yeah there was an action because of it yeah yeah, yeah that's amazing and i guess it's it's quite rare for them to talk about something which is an ongoing concern and that must have been due to the nature of the kind of the, the environment that was set up for them they could talk about something that was actually happening to them or something that they felt uncomfortable about at the time i think there's something really interesting going on where you have almost a stranger visiting a school and children feel that they can offload to these strangers because they uh, aren't necessarily going to have any repercussion. Um, so that okay, might that's interesting. That that's not might what be I was going expecting on, you to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also yeah. might be that, oh, these people have come in and they might do something about it. Yeah. And I think there was a real feeling in the workshops that the workshops were going to change things. Mm. I think the, 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 the children talked about that. You know, now we've talked to you, you know, th- things can change. I do wonder how the conversation would be different if, yeah. it, if it were me who were running it without any external people yeah. in there. I do I do wonder if that's something. Well, when um, you do it next year, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> you can let me know. <laughs> so the next steps in this piece of research is that we're really excited to be working with the children at the moment at May Park um, in uh, creating a co-authored book based on the findings from the work. So it's a co-authored picture book um, and it's going to be curated by Lucy Garrel Barnes, who's the artist who's working with us. Um, and it's really exciting. Our kind of draft title is If Racism Vanished for the Day. And the children are thinking about themes of, OK, so, you know, how would my how would I feel about wearing my hair if racism vanished for the day what kind of people would I like to see in power if racism vanished for a day if I looked at my skin how would that make me feel if racism vanished for a day so we've taken the themes that have directly come out from what the young people have been saying and then given them back to them and said okay let's think positively about this and what we're hoping is that in book form it is a really familiar format that children and teachers and parents kind of know how to use Um, and um, it'll be a springboard for discussion so we're also going to be uh, creating some teachers notes to hopefully help Mm -hmm. if, if that's 
if that's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always helpful. <laughs> um, so we're really lucky we've managed to get a bit of funding from FutureQuest and the Department for Education and Childhood here at UE. Yeah, the children feel... Uh, really thrilled to be part of a project that has such a concrete outcome as well. But seeing a book is really big for them, so that's that's amazing. Yeah, we, we just need to get into more schools now and, and uh, try and spread that word a bit more. Mm-hmm.